Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering my listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Go to audibletrial.com slash farbeyondmetal and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash farbeyondmetal. Now onto the show. Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 44 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, I welcome Jordan Olds, a.k.a. Guarcinio Hall, to the program. Jordan is the host of both the YouTube heavy metal talk and variety show, Two Minutes to Late Nights, and one of the hosts of its podcast companion, Pod Minutes to Cast Nights. Two Minutes to Late Night is a surreal experience that's part Eric Andre show, part Metalocalypse, and part Late Night with Conan O'Brien. He, along with his house band Mutoid Man, welcome on guests like Dave Davidson of Revocation, John Baisley from Baroness, and a lot more. The show is hilarious and chaotic, and the perfect show for a metalhead who knows metal is just fucking silly. The companion show Pod Minutes to Cast Night initially featured the writers of the show and Jordan tearing apart an infamously panned metal album like Metallica's St. Anger, Megadeth's Super Collider, or Limp Bizkit's Results May Vary. In a recent episode, they begin to branch out with other ideas like having the hosts debate an album they all disagree on like 1984 by Van Halen. Ultimately, the show is the how did this get made of metal, and it's so much fun. You can find and subscribe to Two Minutes to Late Night on YouTube, and the podcast, of course, is on iTunes. Jordan came on my show to discuss these shows, the work that goes into them, how the hell he got Mutoid Man to be a part of it, and then, of course, we just get derailed into human conversations, which is strange, but nice. So before we jump into our chat, here's the Two Minutes to Late Night theme as performed by Mutoid Man. (laughs) It's two minutes to late night! Alright, so yeah, it's just going to kind of be a light interview, chit-chat kind of thing. I've got some things that aren't at all related to anything you have done, like, creative-wise. But uh, just some things I thought would be fun to chat about, because you're you and I'm me. And uh, you'll see when we get there. All right, sounds good. And I'll do like a proper intro thing, uh, like kind of a own side edit deal. You know how podcasts work, Pre- yeah. pre-roll nonsense. So I'm just going to kind of dive right into the to the meat. All right, sounds good. Yeah, for sure. All righty, so you are the host of Two Minutes to Late Night. The the Is it YouTube exclusive, or do you have any sort of other outlet that I am not aware of? No, it, it, yeah, it's all just on YouTube. It's a, it's. It's our main platform. We also put it on Facebook, but, you know, so does everybody. Everybody who makes, like, a thing, it also goes on Facebook. And the Facebook algorithm hates everything, so it's likely just getting buried under ads for those shirts that just kind of list, like, a bunch of very specific holiday stuff and, like, birthday months and whatnot. I don't know if you get those lovely ads. I certainly do. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, we're buried under uh, weird, specific Facebook shirts. 
Uh, so what were the earliest days of the show like and like what struggles did you face to just get it off the ground? Because it seems like quite the undertaking every time you do an episode. Yeah, it's um, it's hell every time we make a note. It's really, it's really fun. It, at the beginning, you know, we um, it I don't I don't think it felt as as hard at the beginning because we just thought we were making one, and then uh, we were gonna shop it around. So I think like uh, when we first came up with the episode uh, with with the idea for the show. And he had Mutoid Man on board. It was pretty easy to, um, you know, get because Nick worked at St. Vitus. It was very easy to get Vitus to give us a day to do it. Um, uh, I um, I remember we had to go get the original desk uh, from off of Craigslist from a guy in Yonkers. So we just like I remember me. Um, our producer Nadia and Drew just got in a van and just drove to Yonkers. We just made it like a little day out of it to pick up just the heaviest, shittiest, cheapest desk we could find. Of course, you're a talk show host. You got to have the giant desk. Although Conan just got rid of his. So did he just get rid of his desk? He... I knew he got rid of the band. I haven't. Wa- I don't have TV, so I can't keep up with him as often as I want to. I've seen clips, and from what I can tell, it's a coffee table sort of scenario now. And Andy Richter's still there, but there's no band, or like live bands. Heartbreak, and that's so heartbreaking. Um, I mean, t- is, TBS is, TBS was never going to work in a long, long run. It's less longer than I thought it would. It really has. I um, I always thought it was a transitional phase for him, and then he would go back to you know uh, like a, like a real network talk show. But damn, I, yeah. Have you listened to his podcast? I actually haven't. Um, I, uh, I I'm shockingly uh, bad at keeping up with most pod. Like I have three podcasts that I listen to, and I still can't get through them. All right, what are the three? So we've got Far Beyond Metal, and that's no, fine. No one listens. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. I don't listen to any metal podcasts. I listen to. Um, uh, I I like a, uh, a like a movie podcast called Blank Check, where they. Um, uh, they, it's like a podcast where these two guys go through like kind of career trajectories of directors and they like um, pinpoint, you know, what what kind of changed in the dynamic of the, the movies that they were making. Um, I just started listening to that one. At. Huh? I just started listening to that. Uh, it's really it's really good. They're um, they can be a little tangity sometimes into into. Uh, into a lot of like inside jokes but like the 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 passion for movies and the um just the uh, uh the the stuff i learn from it is is crazy and i love it i love looking at because i always wanted to be a director i love looking at just the narrative of a director's career i think it's really fun I, I have, like, right now, I don't know if you're current, but, like, I listened to the last two because I was fooled into thinking it was a new show with Paul F. Tompkins and John Hodgman. <laughs> I haven't, uh, I ha- I, I'm actually listening to the Edward one right now. Like, before I got, I when I walked into my apartment, I was listening to it. So I'm right at the beginning of the Edward one. It just really made me want to listen, watch Edward again because I realized I haven't seen it in such a long time. I listen to a couple movie podcasts. This is now one of them. It's kind of 
for me, it's likely going to be whoever the guest is. But I've never actually yeah. seen Ed Wood, and I still enjoyed the episode. And I do that with How Did This Get Made as well, which is all bad yeah, yeah, movies. Yeah. But I've seen like four of them. <laughs> you um, definitely it definitely um makes uh like Blank Check is 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 a movie podcast that like I I haven't seen most of the How Did This Get Made mo- movies, and I do like that podcast even though i haven't kept up with it in a while but um this one it really uh like it's really fun to uh my favorite episodes are when i just know the movie I you can, know i can imagine that's definitely got an added bit of enjoyment to it yeah because they're just like two excited little little dweebs ex- talking about a movie that they love and i also when i really love something i also just get in that zone so it, 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 it's fun to listen to people who are as excited about something as I am. I get you. Uh, coming back to the your show a little bit, uh, you kind of touched oh, yeah. on it already. <laughs> no, it's fine. Like, I am all about the tangents here. And uh, especially somebody who also does a podcast, I feel like you understand. The real conversation is probably more exciting. Uh, yeah. But like I, you, like I said, you touched on it, but you got St. Vitus involved with your show and it's like a internationally known venue and you're doing the metal talk show. Did they have any reservations about like this thing that's kind of taking the piss out of the genre that made it famous? Um, I definitely not that I don't think they're all so grumpy and like sit it like, you know, everybody at St. Vitus, even though uh, they aren't, even if they've like never been on the road, every single person at St. Vitus behaves like a roadie. Just like a grump, grumpy, I seen it all in my day. Like, they don't, uh, I don't think they think uh, anything's really special. So I think that we were, like, a bit of, when they actually saw the final product, like, they were, we were, like, a relief. And they were like, oh, this is fun to to watch. I think when we initially started shooting, they were like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Nick is doing something weird. <laughs> And how did you first get in touch with uh, Mutoid Man to be the house band? Because that's really fucking cool. Yeah. Um, well, I saw them live uh, with Drew, and I uh, I wasn't familiar with them, but I just saw these dudes that were just so excited to be playing music. Um, and just, you know, they, they play their instruments like they're being electrocuted. I, I, I just, I, I remember, I just felt like when I saw them, I hadn't seen uh, anyone perform with the chutzpah and the charisma that they've had in, I think, years. I think I, I I still don't know if I've seen anybody that, you know, plays as cartoonishly passionately as they do. And so really I, well at the same time, because their shit is technical. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they're very technical. It's so, it's really fun to watch uh, them because you're watching dudes that come from like a very serious technical background and you're watching them just really have fun with it. And it could only, a band like that could only exist with, with those, with those dudes who just have been around, uh, who have just been in the scene for a really long time, been involved in so many different types of bands. And like, this is the culmination of it with them having fun. So I saw I saw that, and then I started um, when I. 
Sorry, I got to take my dog's chew toy away. Uh, I think that's I, the, not I, the first chew toy that's been on the show. So <laughs> put some reverb on it, make it sound good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Compress it. Hell yeah. Yeah. EQ that shit. Um, but we, uh, I, I remember I was looking them up and I saw that Steve, uh, on his old website, uh, it said that he gave guitar lessons. And I just emailed him and because I, I, I wanted to just uh, learn to be a better guitar player. And that guy was shredding and banging his head in, into a wall. So I assumed that he was probably uh, like the right person for it. <laughs> um, so I just hit, I asked if he was still giving guitar lessons. And uh, he said, not really, but sure, let's do it. <laughs> and then we just kind of met through that. Like I was just taking like a week, like, a weekly lesson from him. Uh, and he was just like down the street from my office at the time. So it was pretty easy. And, um, when, uh, we started just talking about, um, like when we got to know each other a little bit, I would just, I was just talking about, uh, how it worked. I was trying to, you know, pitch more comedic ideas for videos. Um, that also involved music. And then we, uh, when I like had the idea for the show, um, I was talking to him about it and he was like, you need to meet Nick, uh, my bassist, because he's just like, Oh, he's just a living, uh, family guy t-shirt. So, (laughs) and we kind of were started building the show around then. And then it just kind of fell into place that mutoid man, would be the house band. Originally, I think it was just going to, I don't know. I don't even know if we were going to have a, a band, but they just, they were all just so excited to be a part of it. They really liked the idea. And, uh, the debut episode of the show got some AV club coverage, but they described your corpse paint as ICP paint. Your thoughts. Uh, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's paint. Um, they can, um, I don't, I'm not attached to the black metal lore or whatever. People have like asked me, or like, are you worried about like people getting like offended about the past? Like, not, not, not even sort of. I don't know. It's, it's. I, I don't take it seriously. I don't think. I don't think most of the people who are even wearing corpse paint right now um, take it seriously at all. There's like one guy who I've interviewed that I think does, and that's uh, Eric Danielson from Watain. That guy is all about whatever oh. the fuck he's up to. Oh yeah, but that's like Watain. Like yeah. uh, they're 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 way too intense. Um, they've also, um, you know, like that's but that's their gimmick is that they're too intense about it. Mm-hmm. Like their whole thing. Actually, my next question was. Uh, because metal as a genre is so so like silly. It's grown men pretending to be monsters and goblins and stuff. But yeah. it's so serious. Uh, and your your show and your podcast kind of uh, educationally like they with, <laughs> with with like knowledge behind it take it down. But and have you had any like purists come at you about anything you've said or done with this? Every podcast episode, every episode of the show we've done. Like there's like somebody who's like. Mainly the podcast people are are, are like uh, just really want to like shout at us and like correct us about like uh, or call us like hipsters or whatever. Which if you're calling us like hipsters, uh, you're clearly just like a man in your forties. Because <laughs> I, I I don't 
I remember um, I've been called a hipster for, you know, over 10 years of my life, and I still kind of don't really know what the word actually means. It seems like everybody just has their own definition for what a hipster is. Every It's just like what old men get mad about. They're like, you know these hipsters with their wearing clothing and listening <laughs> to music. Um so I don't I don't know I I um we we re, we receive a fair amount of shit for um you know either talking making fun of someone's band or like or someone's like favorite band um but we kind of do it all in like uh in like in like good fun I think so I I I'm fine with it I, I if someone's feelings are really hurt by. I think actually the one episode of the podcast where I kind of went a little too far um, was I think I was a little too harsh on uh, on Power Man Five Thousand. I have not listened to that episode yet. What did you say? Well, I just um, uh, we need we needed guests for that episode, and I remember Jeremy was getting uh, geared up to. Um, it, it, we listened to the album because Jeremy was like, Power Man 5000 holds up. It's really sick. And um, I was like, there's probably no way. And then this one of the guests we had like wrote an article uh, in defense of like the album. So I like kind of went into the episode having heard the album, like really ready to like tear it apart. And I think I was just a little too into in the debate mode. Um but Spider One actually commented like on the U- uh, on our YouTube page about like oh, there's a lot of inaccuracies <laughs> on this episode, which is really funny that Spider One just kind of Google's himself um, each day because oh, it was yeah. the day it came out. I remember you uh, touching on that in the uh, the year end roundup episode. Yeah, we did mention that we want we I. I really, I, I thought it would be, I felt a little bad because I really kind of came for it because I was really coming after him saying like, you just did what your brother did. You just wanted, you were like, it worked for my older brother. So you just kind of tried to do the same thing. I just, it, I, I don't think he had like the talent or the ideas to make something like a good version of it. Um, but, it, but I realized saying that is, really mean so i was like um i was like we tried to invite spider onto the show and be like come on the show like you can we'll talk about your album from your perspective you can correct our inaccuracies and you can listen to my high school band and like rip that to shreds oh man that's so that's so great like i i imagine the newest episode the one about slayers probably gonna get some loud internet people at you if it hasn't already yeah, mostly the loudest comment we got was about someone saying like, "You guys don't like know a lot about like new metal." Um, there's a lot of people. A lot of people really like to um, yell at us before they like finish an episode, so they don't know if like anything is like really getting corrected or not by the end. Like uh, in the Judas Priest episode with Cat that we did, Cat, my roommate, and. Uh, editorial producer of Kerrang. Um, we mentioned um, that there was, it, it, like, uh, Lucy brought up that um, Judas Priest had been in the lawsuit 
um, and we sa- said, oh, no, that, that wasn't them. Um, it got corrected by, like, the end of the episode, but still every comment was about how, no, it actually was Judas Priest, so people were just commenting before the episode was even done. Uh, touching on that episode a little bit, that one didn't, like, you guys went into it thinking the album wasn't that bad. I, I agree. But have yeah. have any of these, uh, revisiting any of these albums kind of turned you around on either these bands or these albums? Um, I think the biggest uh, turn I've had um, was uh, Six Feet Under, which I always thought was... Uh, and you did Graveyard Classics, right? Huh? You did Graveyard Classics, right? Yeah, we did Graveyard Classics, and I thought that was so funny, and I just got a new perspective on the band, and I was like, I think this band is supposed to be funny. And it made me appreciate it because I, I, I was like, there's the funniest thing in the world is just like listening to just like, you know, first, first guitar lesson uh, or guitar hero songs <laughs> just with, with a cookie monster. But it's so funny. It's and it was like in the early 2000s. So they were like ahead of the curve. They knew it was funny. I really wonder that about uh, Chris Barnes. I think it is. He he seems yeah. like a humorless human being, but maybe I don't know. Yeah, that's why I was so confused when I heard it. Um, but even if it, even if he's not, uh, even if he's he's very he's earnest, and like he wants uh, all their cover albums to be taken seriously, I kind of don't care. I I still I think that might just make it funnier and me enjoy it more. Yeah, there's. God, I now I want to like revisit two and three because I remember getting promos for those and just thinking like I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> um, going back to the 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 show a little bit, uh, in your Hollywood yeah. episode, you had Dave from Revocation on, and you asked him about moments where he's kind of been starstruck. Uh, have has doing the show ha- given you any of those moments, or have you ever had any of those outside in your various metal exploits? Uh, yeah, all the time. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, accidentally, uh, you know, I, we kind of have to get a lot of our guests on the show probably by, like, we run the risk of punishing them every time. Like, by asking someone to do the show where it's, like, no money and, um, they don't know. It's like our only credibility is that like mutoid man is on the show. Otherwise I don't think we, I don't, I think that that's like sort of the gateway where people feel safe. Is there like, Oh, there are like real musicians on the show. Okay. We can, we can give it a shot. So I, I have to thank mutoid man for making people feel like it's okay. But I, you know, um, we get, um, I think ironically, when we shot, when we did, when we were doing the Punisher with Brandaller, I think when it like, when we were done shooting, because it was the middle of the day um, before the like concert, we didn't really know what what to do. I think we got, all got pretty nervous once we were done shooting, um, and he uh, and we were like just trying to talk. I'm like wearing this big uh, like stupid duster. I think I got like um, I wasn't really starstruck, but I was just really nervous, and I didn't feel like uh, comfortable when I was talking to him. 
Um, an episode that I feel like would have had me uh, a little shaken for a couple of reasons was the one with uh, John Baisley from Baroness. And here's where we transition into non-metal stuff, because uh, Mutoid Man and him covered Purple Rain. Mm-hmm. And Prince is my, my guy. Uh, yeah. One of my big guys. Um, and He's what, my favorite artist of all time. I, I can see that. I, if I wasn't such a weird Beck fan, it might be Prince. But for some reason... <laughs> Like, Beck is the one I tell people, and they're like, really? The loser guy? I'm like, yes, the loser guy is my favorite person. Can we move on, please? Uh, I'm seeing... Yeah, when he does the, um, uh, what, what is it? Um, like, the, like, song that's like, uh, like, I thought your name tag said Betty. It's oh, yeah. like a, it's yeah. like a Prince homage, right? Exactly. That whole album, uh, Midnight Vultures, is just him trying to be Prince, and that song featured in, uh baby driver and it's kind of given it a new life and i love it yeah did you like baby driver i thought it was okay like i love a heist movie and i like the sort of editing style of it because it was edgar wright right yeah yeah if it wasn't it's somebody trying to be edgar wright so i like it visually but i mean the twist and turn of it were kind of weak yeah i don't i I don't think the story kind of held up i um um it was weird that I, I'm, I got I, I, like the end of the movie. Uh, I w- I remember being upset by because I saw another movie do also do like an editing uh, action montage to Hocus Pocus by Focus, but it but I didn't like the other movie. The other movie that also just recently did that was there was the RoboCop remake. <laughs> um, <laughs> That I saw on purpose. Uh, I didn't see it on purpose. I uh, I saw, <laughs> <laughs> I used to work at a comic book shop in uh, in L.A. and so we would just get like free movie tickets sometimes, and uh, we just went to see that movie, and it was just like a a big action like editing uh, crazy sequence uh, that was done to Hocus Pocus by Focus, and it was weird seeing this. Uh, movie made by like a director that I respect going like, Hey, you're ripping up the Robocop. Remake. <laughs> uh, I wonder if he was even aware. Have. Uh, yeah. Usually I do really like Edgar Wright. And uh, this was, I don't know if it was like a full misstep, but it was, it was a trip or something. Yeah. It, I, I think it's a, a weaker movie. Uh, a movie of his that doesn't really hold up, which is a shame is uh, like Scott Pilgrim. How dare is, you, but you're right. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be that guy, but I tried to watch it like a couple of years. Me and Drew actually tried to watch it together, and we were like, "Is this creepy and weird?" Yeah, no, we gotta. Yeah, the dated, and it's and it's like, and the relationship is creepy. It's definitely a, a pixie dream girl sort of thing, and that's too like even the comic. I don't know if you've read the the thing by Brian O'Malley, but I have, yeah. I prefer the ending of the comic, but how the hell are you going to do that in a movie? But it still doesn't yeah. really make it better. Uh, yeah, it doesn't because of the, like the age, just the age part already is like, well, he's creepy. The whole, you can't be like, it was weird when I first saw it that I didn't really care about like the jarring age gap. But now I'm looking at it and I'm like, ah, that is. Oh, you mean Knives Show? Yeah. Yeah. It's creepy. It's it just, is. Is. I wish it wasn't. Um, it, you know, they could have fixed it by not making it cre- like, I feel like you can get the same reaction from, 
uh, his friends, uh, just if she's like even one year younger than him or something. I don't know. Because it's not really about, it, it becomes not really about that. It just becomes about the maturity level. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. I'll be right back with Jordan Olds from Two Minutes to Late Night in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering my listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash farbymetal and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It is that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash farbymetal and get started today. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. You can select any book you want, but I think we should start a book club, because right now I'm reading Let's Go So We Can Get Back, as read by and written by Jeff Tweedy of Wilco. Tweedy's not a metal dude, but his story is super fascinating, and hearing him tell it is way better. There are a ton of other books by musicians on Audible, but again, you can use a trial to get whatever you want. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash farbeyondmetal. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash farbeyondmetal for your free audiobook. Before I jump back with Jordan Olds, here is a clip from episode 10 of Pod Minutes to Cast Night, when he and the writers of Two Minutes to Late Night take on Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics. In this clip, they get deep. Before we move on to to like more technical aspects of this, since you were talking about the original versions of these songs, I wanted to present a question to the gang, uh, which is, what makes these songs graveyard classics? <laughs> because the name of the album is Graveyard Classics, and these songs are. I looked up a bunch of the like the 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 lyrics. I looked up like tried to find anything I could about what these were like actually about. TNT it obviously is about a tough guy who very explicitly does not carry lethal weapons. You know how when you're hanging with your bros tailgating a graveyard? <laughs> they called it Graveyard Classic so it would sell really well at Party City on Halloween. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, this is, this, is, is. So you, this is so your mom buys it. Yeah, thinking the Adams family theme is going to be on it. I mean, that's probably what they're originally going to cover, uh, call their uh, wedding cover band for all those weird goth people that are like yeah we're pretty spooky but we also believe in domestic bliss yeah (laughs) i was surprised when you sent when because how we decided to do this album was you told me check out graveyard classics but we were talking about the misfits which misfits album to do at the time so i expected it to be a weird horror punk album or something and then i looked it up i was like it's Six Feet Under cover. Because I, I, I had known Six Feet Under. I've known their pains in the asses. I know that they're a lot of people's least favorite metal band. And I've never been more excited to listen to one of these albums. I went, I the second, it, I was like, Six Feet Under cover album? I'm fucking there. Did you listen to the Jailbreak cover? From Yes, the I did. It slaps. It's awesome. I can't in good conscience say that this slaps. <laughs> But uh, coming back to Prince a bit, something you posted on Facebook actually kind of changed how I approached Prince from now on. And I've wanted, oh. I've wanted to tell you this. Uh, oh, okay. so, so, of course, I got a microphone involved rather than just, I don't know, message you. <laughs> you. You posted this thing about the recent uh, album of his release, the Piano Microphone 1983 thing, about how yeah. the estate is just kind of like wringing out his corpse for money. And if you're going to buy something, get the physical copy. I read that. I'm like, God damn it. He's right. It's both the best and the worst time to be a Prince fan. So I got it on vinyl because it felt right. 
head. Oh, dude, you're awesome. I didn't do it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you've if you've streamed it, like I don't see myself listening to it all the time. Like maybe the the track that's in is it Black Klansman that it's in in the credits? Yeah, I think it might be. Yeah, other than that, I don't feel like there's a lot of reason to it. Seventeen Days is pretty cool too, but uh, I mean, if yeah. you're if you're a collector, get it. If if you're, I mean, you're. He said you're his biggest guy, whatever. Uh, you have to. It's a law. So I have. Oh yeah. Well, I have. I have all of. Uh, I I was just kind of when I made that post, I was kind of just saying like I have so many Prince albums on vinyl. Um, but I was kind of making it about like I just saw so many people who were just really excited uh, and sharing it, and like that. I, I think that that's cool. But it's just uh, I. It's one of those things where, um, I listened to it. I kind of couldn't make it through the whole thing because it just didn't feel right. Because I knew how badly he didn't want me to hear it, mm-hmm. um, which kind of you know. Uh, it changes like the context in which I'm hearing it, and um, it, whether uh, you know, it's really whether his like his reasons for not wanting this stuff released like made any sense at all. It's just really that he just didn't want it to happen, or even to have his stuff streamed. So it's just like out of respect for uh, his just you know his anxiety and his his perspective um i think like it it just it's always made me just neat if i like love a prince album i have to buy it physically i'm I'm that way with like i've got all the prince cds i've found i recently got like some vault thing from the early 90s that i think is difficult to find and probably isn't good because i love prince there are some deep (laughs) cuts that are terrible and i think i've got an album of those in my car yeah, dude, the, I mean, the Batman soundtrack is not listenable, really, for the most... Like, there's some, like... he Prince has missed, you know? Mm-hmm. It doesn't... It's not all hit. Oh, yeah, like, there's an article I've seen posted a bunch of times about, like, uh, loving a band is admitting when they suck, and, like, Beck has some rough years, Prince has some rough years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to suggest an album that I don't even know if it's fun that would be, that would be uh, one to do on pod minutes to cast night that i got recently oh. it breaks my heart uh it is gzr plastic planet the album geezer butler did with burton c bell from fear factory oh shit uh yeah probably yeah <laughs> the thing is i don't know if it's fun that's the problem like you guys did lulu and saint anger and like those have a redeeming kind of nostalgia to them or something but this is just like geezer trying to oh. eat and it's it's uh, i don't know Lulu is, um, I think, I, I, I there's nothing fun for me on Lulu, but I think it's it's fascinating. Yeah, I give you that. It's not fun's not the right word for Lulu. I think Saint Anger can be fun. I um uh Saint, <laughs> are you okay? Just admit it's it's weird how um. I think Metallica, there was like a few years where Metallica was my favorite band. I think there's always, I think if you're a metal fan, there just, there are a few early sections where Metallica is the favorite band. Mm -hmm. It's gotta be, but it's so, 
it is very strange how just learning about uh, uh, it wasn't until like Pod Minister Cast Night when I where we really took a good look at him and I realized it's not that uh, like I didn't uh, dis I I didn't lose respect for them for being assholes. I lost a lot of respect for them when I realized that they're probably stupid. <laughs> when you guys said that, it, it was like, oh my god, these guys are morons. Like. <laughs> They're just stupid men who don't know how to be, like, men. And, like, that's where all of the decisions, uh, the weird decisions come from. Is like, from just not a lot of real-life experience. Like, it's just touring in the road and music. And, like, I, I do believe that Dave Mustaine it, it, it was, like, kind of where a lot of, like, the magic of the band came from. It, it pairs really well with um, with with James's uh, like vocals and stuff. But you know, other than that, I think they're just like goofy teenagers who are put on on a on a huge pedestal. I like when that came up on the show. I it it really brought the image of Kirk Hammett on. I don't know if you follow him on Instagram. It's mostly like horror movie stuff and like the child like. The fascination with horror movies from the 70s and 80s is something that, like, a lot of people have, but it's also just, yeah. like, ooh, monsters, and it, it's like, it totally clicks with that as well, because in my head, he's always been the one smart guy, but no, he just wants to surf and watch, like, Bela Lugosi. Yeah, and tr I'd like, when you watch, uh, when you watch some kind of monster... That's rough. So, when you realize that he's just, like, he's the sweet one... Like it's really just he's just the sweet boy. He just wants to play guitar solos. <laughs> he just the amount of it's really funny to watch. I love every scene with him of just all of the ways he tries to detach while uh all the chaos is happening in the band. Like when he um tries to it, I, I specifically remember just like shots of him riding a horse and I didn't realize why they were weird and um my girlfriend who loves horses and like riding horses is, is is cackling laughing at him riding a horse and she just goes like he has no idea what he's doing he's just on a horse right now <laughs> oh man uh, a scene from that movie that me and my friend Thomas quote to this day is Dave Mustaine's interview portion he is asked if he regrets leaving and he like takes a beat and he just goes I fucked up in his Dave Mustaine voice, and yeah. that quote is just so in our in our minds forever. Just I fucked up. I fucked up. What do you mean I fucked I'm up? I'm always gonna be number two. Yeah. Um. And you guys have done what two Megadeth albums on your show? Yeah, we've done Risk and uh, Super Collider. Collider. I, I listened to the Super Collider one, and not having listened to the album at all, I have not kept up with Dave. Uh, I feel like I might want to because i'm seeing him with uh, if ozzy lives i'm seeing him in july for the first time <laughs> look it breaks my heart because like it, in metal my guy my band is black sabbath as cliche as that is so i'm already ready for just a week of just crying my eyes out when one of them dies i'm just not ready for ozzy to go like this week yeah well he's he's doing better now yeah last yeah, i heard he was doing he's better like than he's in the icu i don't know what to believe anymore sharon what she's playing with my emotions 
They said he, because he was in the ICU with like a respiratory disorder, but I think that that's just because he is old and everyone has been getting unbelievably sick. Yeah. Like all of January, everyone had like the where I had the worst flu ever. Um, now my mom has it and like she's like everybody's just getting wrecked with with colds and sickness. So I think it just got him really bad. And it makes sense that he has like uh, that he had like maybe a respiratory inf- infection because um, just I don't know everybody's getting like the flu with a sinus infection now, so I it probably hit him pretty hard. Um, but apparently he's doing fine now. Well, I'll, uh, I still hope to see him in July, and I will probably have a good cry then because I'm an emotional mess sometimes when it comes to sh- bands and shows. <laughs> did you see uh did you get to see Black Sabbath on the end tour? I uh paid to see them when they announced their first round of shows and I live in the greater Sacramento area so I went to San Jose which is stupid out of the way and then they announced more shows and they played Oakland and at the time I worked at a radio station so I got a hookup with free tickets so I'm like well I got to go twice now. So I yeah. w- I went twice actually. And both times during uh Geezer Butler's bass solo I teared up cuz it's why I play bass and emotions and whatnot. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, uh, I'm a weird. I'm like a weird Black Sabbath fan. Like where I, um, I kind of only like. Uh, I I only like um, like Master of Reality forward. No, I get that. I actually I don't yeah. really like Master of Reality. I like, really. I oh. I think it's boring. I love it. I think it's really, I, I like, that's the one where I really, um, I agree. A lot of it is slow, but like sweet leaf is, is, Oh yeah. It's undeniable classic still. It's, it's a banger. I think the rest of the album has like, um, a lot of, I think like the part of it's really funny. Um, uh, actually on the, and the first episode of Two Minutes to Late Night, we were going to do just, uh, we shot, there are like monologues that are missing from the show, but I, one of the monologues is, uh, was me just kind of, uh, uh, doing a rant, uh, on like, you know, like Black Sabbath is going on their final, final tour. And I'm like, good. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, it's been forever. And like, um, you know, I go into a bit about how um, I and I genuinely think like it does drive me nuts on like I don't know why it makes me nuts, but on like Black Sabbath songs where even though I like like songs like N.I.B. or whatever, just when Ozzy is singing the same riff as the guitar, it dry it makes me insane. Oh, you because love I, I want to be like that doesn't count. That's not a. <laughs> You can't just like hear a riff and just like I like to sing. Can I sing on this song? Thank you. You don't. Oh man, you may have just ruined my favorite band. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going, I'm going through like Volume Four, which is like my favorite album, and just like, oh fuck, he totally does that on this song. Oh god, and this I, song. I know. I love Volume Four. I think Volume Four is is actually is is incredible. Um, but I just think uh, I just remember. Um, because I think the Black Sabbath just wasn't the first metal band I ever heard. That when I like hear stuff that just, I think when I hear stuff that just reminds me of like my first instincts as like a musician, it, um, 
I think it um for I have like a weird I have a weird bullshit uh detector for that, but I think I need to let that go. You know, I totally get that cuz when I first started learning how to play guitar and bass, like technique aside, I just want to learn how to play as fast as possible. So, right. whenever I hear just straight up like old school throwback thrash, I fucking hate it. I think it's so boring. And really? yeah, like yeah. I like I like your original big four kind of stuff, but my favorite of the big four is Anthrax because they got the weirdest. <laughs> they got so like they did a rap song with Public Enemy and it worked. Yeah, really. yeah, and then they did their own "I Am the Man," which doesn't work as well, but it's still fun. I love "I Am the Man." It's so <laughs> I love I love Anthrax. And then like the whole John, well, not the whole John Bush era, but let's say two albums from that are good. Uh, <laughs> and I just think they made the most like fun albums and they didn't take the well i guess you could say they took the biggest risks but then you've got load and reload which failed and uh, risk which failed in the eyes of most people um damn but like a band like uh and sorry if you're a fan or you know them or something like i don't understand the appeal of a band like power trip who just sort of what i don't get it i i think well i think what power trip Look, I hear that I get what you what you don't think is is fun about, but I think Power Trip to me, they just, um, I think the beauty is how simple it is. I think that it is, you know, because um, yeah, when I first heard it, my I, I was like, okay, it, they're a thrash band. They got an angry guy. I think it's just really, they're. I didn't get it really until like Nightmare Logic, where it's just kind of a slower pace. They're not playing as fast as possible. They're just like when you listen to like um, the Executioner's Tags, it's just like it's just a it's just a, a downstroke riff the whole time, and it's primal, and that's what it's supposed to be. It's more like hardcore, where it's just supposed to be just like thuggish and Neanderthal, but it's written that way on purpose. To just make it, I think it just, uh, it's just for uh, just like a mid-range head bob the whole time. <laughs> and um, it, 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 it takes, it, it definitely like needs to grow on you. It's like, uh, but once you, once you like really understand that they know that they are just creating a sound that is just supposed to, have a primal response and they don't want to be the greatest metal band, they're way more enjoyable. All right. You know, I will check out these songs and like some later stuff. I first saw them like right before they broke in South by Southwest on a roof. And it, yeah. was, it was just like, Oh, this is like a fun live thing. And then I listened to them later. I was like, Oh, I don't know if this translates to an album for me, uh, but I've yet to see them live again since, and uh, I haven't really given them a, a fair shot again. But when they started picking up steam in the last, I don't know, maybe five years, I was like, yeah, yeah that, those guys? Okay, sure. Yeah, I think it's just, I think it's one of those th things like, um, like uh, where, you know, we the last thrash band to like, that felt like thrash that like really made a uh like a a dent in in the music scene was municipal waste and they're really goofy and they're fast and you know you could kind of take it with like a grain of salt but then power trip comes around and they just they're slower 
like at least with Nightmare Logic, which is how they broke. Like that, that's their, that's the album from them. It's just, it's just a slower tempoed album, and it feels just intense, and it is uh, angry, and it is just, it's a, it's a thuggish, dumb album. But they kind of know that it is, and they're just trying to, which. I, I think is great because also it, it like they are they uh, I think especially with them coming out and saying like this album is not like we're not a band for dumb rednecks and then they bring a band like Sheer Mag on tour with them to like I like that they tour that they do stuff like that where they tour unconventionally like they tour with bands that don't sound like them which is really cool, like having Sheer Mag and then like going on tour with Danzig and Mutoid Man. Those are three very different bands that have guitar in them, which is pretty cool. I think that they definitely know where they fit. I think they have a very um, like uh, a good sense of what they sound like. And um, and I think that they are just, they're, they're a band that's trying to be like, uh, like comfort food. Uh-huh. And they're feeling, um, as opposed to like they don't, they're not trying to impress you with how technical they are or how creative their transitions are. They just kind of want you to feel how groovy the riff is, and just go with it. It just sounds like it sounds like what my mom thinks metal sounds like. But also, if my mom listened to it enough times, she would probably bob her head. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, coming back to to uh, Pod Minutes to Cast Night, are there any bands that are like off limits or people too close to anything? No, uh, definitely not. Because we're doing this new thing now where um, if there was anything that was going to be off limits, it probably for me it would have been like Van Halen because I'm so stubborn and I love that band. <laughs> that was we... that was my next point. Like I, I like the new uh, thing you guys have been trying, where like one of you basically has to defend it. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I like 1984. I think it's fun. Yeah, it's it's not like uh, that was more. That was like Drew's one. We will probably do Van Halen one in the future because that's my Van Halen album. I love 1984. I think they're they're pieces, but I think as a full album, uh, like just Van Halen one is is their is their jam. That's I it, it, like they're just young and they're and they're really figuring it out. But they're just they're not thinking about their songs too much. They're just having a good time and like it's great. Where, get, where are you with the whole Hagar Roth thing? Oh, Roth. Roth is uh, David Lee Roth is a uh, homeless uh, drag queen uh, who can't sing, but he's the singer of a band. It's awesome. It's what fucking. It's my favorite. What about Gary Sharon? Huh? What about Gary Sharon? Oh, I mean, I, I didn't know that happened until we do that. Until until we did that episode. What? <laughs> um, I so that was, that was a really rough day. That's like finding out that. That's like when you find out like what's like really going on with your parents when you're an adult. When you when they like let you know all like the kind of the dark shit that happened when you were like a kid and in high school and you're like I kind of didn't need to know that 
I didn't need to. I didn't need to know that there was like a, like if, uh, that there was like a weird affair period. Thank you. I'm okay. Let's go back <laughs> to pretending that didn't happen. Oh man, that's that's a great way to put it. I kind of had a similar thing when I found out there were like five other singers in Black Sabbath besides Ozzy. I'm like, I heard Dio is one. I'm like, oh cool. And then it got yeah. deeper and deeper of these like ex Deep Purple guys, and then just people I've never heard of and haven't heard of since. Yeah, it's re- that that trajectory is really bizarre. Um, we'll probably have to do. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a huge uh, Black Sabbath expert, but I'm. Assu- I'm assuming we're going to have to do some of those later on with the show. Um, I kind of feel like we've touched on everything. Oh, uh, just for, for you as a person, I did some Googling of you because I have to. It's called research, not just creepy stuff. Uh, is, do- is dog meat still alive? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, no, that was... Uh, a band I had in LA. Um, I think that that was actually the band that w- I was gonna have uh, Spider listen to because I actually couldn't find any music for my high school band. But yeah, I uh, I started that with just uh, some friends uh, <laughs> that I made when I moved to LA and didn't really know anybody, and uh, we just kind of want. I had, like the the goal was to sort of be just like uh, an American. Uh, version of Velo Talk, <laughs> and uh, at, this will come out after this already happens. But on Friday, you're doing Panama. Yes. How has uh, practice and all that been going for that? Uh, fun. Also, just uh, stressful because I think this is, um, you know, um, I, I mean, I've been in so many cover bands, but there's always been like another guitarist. Um, and it's, uh, you know, playing with, with someone like Billy Reimer, it may, it really like, um, I'm having a great time, but it also, I feel like the pressure to be like, I kind of got to step my game up like a little bit. Like I can't fuck around as much as I usually do. Can't <laughs> like I, um, God. So yeah, I th- I I think it's uh, it's it's been a lot of fun, but also I feel the pressure a little bit, you know. Can you eruption? Um, I am going to do a version of eruption. <laughs> oh man, what would that yeah. mean? Um, I think I I mean I'm just going to do it as much as possible. I probably um, not like a note for nothing. What what happened? Like since this is coming out after the show. What probably happened is I did most of it. I played Super Mario Brothers a little bit and then did the tapping part at the end. Nice. All right, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I love your podcast, and I've been slowly getting through all the old episodes. Um, I like the show. I've seen a couple episodes. I'm not one to just, like, watch shows on YouTube, but I've been been trying. I watched the Halloween one today, and I've seen another one. I forget which one exactly. (laughs) Do you love – are you a huge Dave Davidson fan? I, I, I thought it'd be fun because I initially thought you were dressed as Prince from Purple Rain in the video, and I enjoyed the bit of it. I enjoyed the bit of it being Austin Powers as well. Yeah, um, that we, we just thought it would be really weird. Every, we thought everyone would expect us to go like really ghoulish and spooky with it, but we were like, it'd be really funny if we were just all dressed like Austin Powers. Like that's us doing Halloween is we just all wanted to be Austin Powers. <laughs> Yeah, I I thought it was cold. And anyway, uh, so yeah. 
Thank you for being on again and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening and uh, break all the legs this Friday and onward with all the other projects. Oh, dude, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Again, you can find Two Minutes to Late Night on YouTube. Pod Minutes to Cast Night is on iTunes. And to follow them both, you can head to facebook.com slash 2M2LN. Again, that is facebook.com slash 2M2LN. If you want to talk to me, you may do so by emailing farbeyondmetaldan at gmail.com. I am on Twitter at Ovacord. The show is at underscore farbeyondmetal. And of course, facebook.com slash farbeyondmetal. The theme is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.